Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yepper, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, links to our social media pages where we simulcast the show, including Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, uh, the podcast links, and more, plus uh, on regular old terrestrial radio, um, you know, on FM translators and your favorite radio station across the state of Alaska. It is the Michael Dukes show. That's me. Hi, how are you? Welcome to Tuesday. Tuesday, three weeks from today, three weeks from today is election day. And we have got your countdown, baby. Woof. So many things going on. So many. We got people coming out. That we got. Uh, uh, let's see what what's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We got uh, David Nelson, Mia Costello, Delaney Johnson, Forrest Wolf, Liz Vasquez, Jamie Allard, Chris By. Tomorrow is the Ruffridge and Gillum debate here on the Big Radio program. That should be fun. Uh, and more with more with more arriving daily. More arriving daily. Uh, it, uh, it should be fun. And of course, uh, today is Tuesday, which means that, uh, uh, Brad Keithley and Chris Story will be joining us today. Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, Chris Story, our positivity guru from Homer will be, uh, with us in hour two today, <clears throat> the weekly top three. Uh, today include some stories about, uh, well, the continued division between the top 20% and the 80% of Alaskan families uh, and their workers. I mean, <laughs> wow. And then uh, the old axiom of don't tax me, don't tax thee, tax the man behind the tree. That would be lower and middle income Alaska families. Uh, that's also, and the half a plan. I mean, it's... It's going to be a fun one this morning. I I I got some things to say about some of this stuff, and uh, we'll see what uh, what your thoughts are on it as well. Um, we'll have Brad on here starting in just a few moments, and then <clears throat> we'll take some calls before we jump into it with Chris, and then we'll finish up, I think, with some calls as well, because there's plenty of stuff going on. Um, but uh, wow, just wow. Okay, uh, let's start off with some of the stories that I want to cover today. Uh, A third and fourth group have now censured or wrote a stunning rebuke, I guess, one way or the other, to uh, Mitch McConnell and the Senate Leadership Fund. Um, It's being reported in Must Read Alaska. I find it ironic that the uh, ADN is not reporting on this um, because, I mean, this is a pretty big story. It's starting to, in fact, make national attention. Um, that uh, there are these groups in Alaska that are basically 
trying to spank Mitch McConnell on what's going on. Uh, he He's doing it. The Alaska, excuse me, the Anchorage Republican Women's Group has filed a resolution now that was after District 6 and District 9. Then the Alaska Women, uh, Republic, or Anchorage Republican Women's Club came together. And now, last night, the Big Lake Anderson Area District 30 Republican Committee and passed another resolution of reprimand telling Mitch McConnell to get his freaking nose out of Alaskan politics. Um, of course, you all know my feelings on the <clears throat> war uh, against uh, Kelly Shabaka. Um, I, at this point, I'm starting to think that it just, it doesn't even, I mean, I, I don't even know. Keep it up, I guess. Keep it up because more and more Alaskans seem to be identifying these attacks with Lisa Murkowski. And some of them are just, they're just frustrated. The ones that I've talked to are like, you know, this is nuts. This is, and, and again, where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing, but not in the way you'd think, not in, oh, there's all these accusations. So Kelly must be guilty. They see it more as a desperation play against supporters of Murkowski. And again, most of them ascribe these, uh, this whole ad campaign to Murkowski, to Murkowski anyway. Interestingly enough, Mitch McConnell <clears throat> has been inconsistent on his rationale for supporting various candidates with a Senate leadership fund. To CNN earlier this year, McConnell said, I don't have a litmus test. I'm for people that get the Republican nomination and for winning, because if we win, we get to decide what the agenda is and they don't. Well, but wait, the people who got the Republican nomination, that would be Kelly Chewbacca. I mean, the, Lisa was censured. And, that, and of course, in every article that Must Read puts out here, they talk about the party chairwoman, Ann Brown, and issuing a, this is, this is the latest one. The party chairwoman, Ann Brown, has also issued a very tempered statement telling people that if they want to know about Kelly, they should go to her website and not listen to the ads. Very tempered statement is a way of politely saying this lukewarm, <clears throat> non-offensive, non-mentioning of anything. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just wrong. Just flat out. Ann Brown should have taken a stronger stand on this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, again, not, I'm sure she's a nice lady. I'm not trying to attack her directly, but she should have taken the bull by the horns on this one and put out a scathing statement at the very first. I mean, I think that should have just. But you can't because you got to make sure you keep everybody happy because you may want later. You might want to go down and beg something of Mitch McConnell and pop, please, daddy, can I have a cookie? I mean, you, you, that's kind of, it's not just her, it's everybody, right? We don't want to offend the Republican Party mechanism at the national level because, my God, they might not give us the sugar that we want later on. That's just, I mean, that's kind of the feeling that you get uh, when you start dealing with a lot of these people. It's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So anyway, that's the fourth group in, what, a week now that has come out against Mitch McConnell. Now, we've only got three weeks left till election. And as I said yesterday, I mean, we had Kelly Chewbacca on the program a week yesterday, and she said that they were exploring, you know, they had attorneys and everything. And I'm just like, Kelly, get up off it. Come on, sister. I <clears throat> Start issuing some letters. Start issuing some letters um, about fallacious and slanderous, uh, you know, send out some letters. Uh, to the to the media outlets, if nothing else, make them go back to the Senate Leadership Fund and say, "Hey, we're having a problem with these ads, and we're getting letters from you." Know, do something. 
I mean, I, just what I'm saying right now. Just do something. It's just so weird. But at this point, like I said, even if she does nothing, I'm I have a feeling that this whole thing is uh this whole thing is gonna is gonna uh I think blow up in uh McConnell's face and everything else. Um so uh the I don't know if anybody else has been following this uh series of complaints that were filed with APOC against the Dunleavy campaign. And also the pack called A Stronger Alaska. Uh, if you haven't been following this, it's fine. I mean, it's, you know. But, boy, there are some shenanigans going on here. So APOC uh, had a hearing on Friday. Uh, Scott Kendall, remember Scott Kendall, the guy who is former chief of staff of Bill Walker, who is also part of ballot measure number two, who also supports um, uh, Lisa Murkowski and who also, of course, is a, you, you remember that guy, the political operative, Scott Kendall. Yeah. So he's the attorney, um, who is working with the Alaska public interest research group and the 907 initiative, what the papers were calling two public watchdogs, right? And they initially had filed this complaint about uh, a stronger Alaska and the Dunleavy campaign and saying basically that there was circumstantial evidence showing that Brett Huber, as deputy treasurer of the campaign, was also working as a member of the governor's staff. And I mean, there's a lot of supposition going on in a lot of this discussion. Um, so they had filed for this expedited hearing to get all this aired out there before the election. Surprise, October, surprise. Um, and APOC said, um, no. APOC said, no, we're not going to do that. We, If you want to take this on later on, we'll do it. But we're not going to have this. We're not going to have an expedited hearing and try and get all this stuff out there. Um, and the And in response, what did they do? Well, first of all, they said, well, that's just wrong because we know that this happened. I mean, we have no evidence, but we know that this happened. And oh, by the way, we filed another complaint. This is the weaponization of APOC, right? I mean, this looks, for those of you who have been following this kind of stuff for a long time, this looks very much like the whole Andy McDowell versus Sarah Palin ethics complaint tirade where every week another complaint was filed and everything else. Um, they have filed another <clears throat> complaint, this time against the Republican Governors Association. And uh, they are like, no, they're, uh, they're, they're doing it illegally. They're <laughs> All they're trying to do is muddy the water and get all this stuff uh, going on. It's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, following the conclusions of Kendall's questions of witnesses on Friday, other attorneys had their chance to offer closing arguments, um, representing a stronger Alaska, the PAC, Richard Moses argued that Kendall's case was based on ifs and buts. Mr. Kendall is asking you to infer something nefarious from a lawful transaction. You do not get to bring a complaint of this nature in the closing days of a campaign on nothing but its and ifs and buts. Simply put, this is a wrong, this is wrong and an abuse of process. 
Well, Scott Kendall never saw a process he didn't like to abuse. I mean, come on. This is this whole thing is there's no evidence of coordination. And the reason there's no evidence of coordination is because coordination did not occur. It has to be active coordination or cooperation. It can't be the appearance of such cooperation. There has to be evidence. No, there doesn't. Not in Scott Kendall's mind. He could continue to file these things and get friendly news media outlets like Alaska Public Media and the ADN to continue to print stories about it. And his mission is accomplished. He continues to sully the name of whatever candidate he continues to want to run down. That's just, I mean, that's how it is. I mean, this is a, this is a war. This is a war. Uh, and it's being waged on those lines right out there by these kind of operatives, Scott Kendall included. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, another, they didn't get, they didn't get what they wanted on Friday. So they had another ruling ready. And in fact, they brought it out during the hearing on Friday to which many people said, well, that was inappropriate to bring that into this here, but that again, this is, he's trying to, he's trying to win in the court of public opinion. If he can't win in the actual committee of APOC committee, he's actually, it doesn't matter. We'll just keep throwing lawsuits together and, and, and complaints and, and uh, uh, things together, we'll just keep throwing them out there. And the news media will talk about it, and we'll count that as a win. Whether we win or lose, we'll count it as a win. Weaponizing. Weaponizing what's going on. I mean, it's just, man, politics in this state have gotten so dirty. I mean, it, you know, you're kidding yourself if you didn't think it was dirty to begin with, but it's just getting worse. All right. Um... We're out of time for this segment. I guess we're just going to run right into it with Brad Keithley. That's coming up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Tuesday. We'll be back with more and Brad Keithley in the weekly top three right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, we are up and rolling. (laughs) Yeah, Kevin McCabe, weaponization of APOC, the courts, the borough's assessor's office. I mean, ask 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 Kevin about the borough's assessor's office being weaponized. I mean, they are weaponizing the mechanisms of bureaucracy against anybody that they can. And it doesn't matter. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter if they win. That's not the point. The point is getting the complaint filed, getting the the getting the charges laid. And then having their allies in the news media and everything report on it as if it is true. And then it doesn't matter if everything's just washed away. Because, again, the implication to the, to the average, you know, low information voter or somebody who doesn't pay attention to anything except for the three weeks before Election Day, the implication is, of course, well, it's obvious he's guilty, right? I mean, that's the thing. 
That's exactly where we're going here. That this is the same. It's the same thing that the Chewbacca ads are facing. The same uh, things and the attacks on Kevin McCabe at his property. The same thing going on with the governor's pack and all this kind of stuff. And and again, it doesn't matter if they win or not. It does not matter if they win. Once it's out in the public eye, that's the W for them. You know, that's where it all comes down to. Brad Keithley, Last Goods for Sustainable Budgets, uh, is uh, is is here with us right now. Brad, you want to comment on that this morning before we get into the top three? I mean, I'm I'm interested to see if my analysis is right in your mind because I'm, I'm getting that feeling like at this point, it really it doesn't matter. It, it is as long as the complaint is out there, that's what's important. Well, it's like the National Guard in twenty, like Parnell's involvement uh with the national guard in 2014 um it it didn't matter it was just a headline every day right uh trying to trying to affect the election trying to affect people's minds uh and then after uh after the election was over the headlines dropped you never heard about it again ever yeah i mean ever except in hindsight or taught in politician school where they're like here you want to do something here's what you do uh yeah i I mean that's that's what it is it's election season and you've got to, you just got to, you know, keep trying to get the message out. Uh, Chewbacca's got to try, try to keep getting her message out. Uh, Kevin's done a good job getting his message. You just got to keep trying to get the message out uh, uh, and, and, and work through that. Uh, Parnell didn't succeed in 2014. So, you know, we'll see what happens this time, but that's, that's what's going on. I mean, it's the same thing we talked about last week with education, right? Right. Now we're seeing all these education stories come up on the ADN about how the schools are running out of money. Sean Dugan did one this week that, that, that not, o- not only is the ADN, but it's every school in the state's running out of money. And we have to do something about the BSA and we have to do something about, you know, uh, school bond debt reimbursement and all that sort of stuff. It's, 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 it's election season and somebody's developed the theme of the day or the theme of the, of the cycle. And they're just going to keep pounding away at it. Yeah. No, if you repeat it, a lie oft repeated become oft repeated becomes a truth, right? I mean, that's exactly what it is, and this is all about again perspective, and you know, it's perception versus reality. So if they perceive that they're, hey, if we get enough complaints, there must be something wrong. That's that's the thing. Doesn't matter how spurious. It doesn't matter how how much they're based in fact or anything else. It's the fact that they've reported that yet another complaint has been filed. Yet another complaint has been. Again, it goes back to Palin. I mean, she was up to like, what, 12, 15 different complaints or something. None of them stuck, but she had to defend them all. And of course, that was in the news every day. Every yeah, and, the, and and so the news is reporting on the complaints, right? It's not reporting on the on the responses. It's reporting on the complaints, the claim, yeah. the complaints, and the words in the complaint get the get the headlines, get the lead. Yep. Uh, and then you know about 20, 20 paragraphs down, you finally get the response. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. the the lesson here is get it in print somehow, uh, and then the news will pick it up, and then then we'll go from there. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Hey, the ding worked. That's amazing. All right. Let's uh, get back into it. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, We're going to be back with more. Brad, I can see your chin. We're going to be back with more here right now. Here we go.
Friday. We're continuing now the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joins us every week to talk about a variety of issues. We actually just had a little good con- mini conversation about the APOC complaint and this game of uh, public perception which uh, the left has gotten very good at playing over the last 10, 15 years. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how to counter it. I mean, it's hard to counter when we don't have an ally in the news media like many of these other ones do, whether it's public media or, uh, you know, ADN or whoever. Uh, It seems like these days the only really non-biased or at least mildly biased outlet is Alaska's news source, KTUU. Everybody else is basically taking sides on this thing. Uh, Anyway, uh, Brad Keithley joins us this morning. Good morning, my friend. How how is morning. how's the music? How's how's things going? Oh, the music's been wonderful. The food's been wonderful. The views are wonderful. The people are wonderful. It's just been a been a great time it's, out here. It's comes, been wonderful. Come, <laughs> yeah, it comes to an end later this week, but uh, but it's been a great time. That, that's good. Brad is celebrating uh, Celtic music with the uh, uh, big festival off there uh, in the uh, off in the eastern coast of Canada. Um, all right, Brad. Weekly top three. Um, this uh, whole segment today is based off the opinion pieces that we're seeing being published in the Anchorage Daily News, and um, and uh, it, it's a smorgasbord of who's who's of the top twenty percent, the pro government spend over the private sector spend. It's pretty crazy. We start off with the John Sims piece. John Sims uh, from NSTAR, the CEO of NSTAR. Uh, again, making it very clear that the top 20% of business leadership is working hard to make sure that those 80% of Alaskan families are uh, held in their place because we need that money. We need that money to be spent on us. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, so Sims's uh, op-ed, which was yesterday in the ADN, is titled, Alaska Needs Kelly Merrick's Pro-Business Vision. And Sims tries to spin this as as pro business against and I guess against anti business I suppose uh, the way the way he paints the picture um, and and talks about Kelly being uh, an appropriate uh, uh, representative of business looking out for business um, and says that the legislature has with Kelly involved the legislature has succeeded in keeping the budget under control and funding essential services without raising taxes. I'll come back to that. <laughs> Business, businesses need this kind of fiscal policy and stability as we work to attract more investment and grow Alaska. At the same time, we need adequate funding of schools and universities and the university system so we have a qualified and prepared workforce. Without raising taxes, we have had ex- exponential growth in taxes since, ni- since 2016 when Governor Walker first cut the PFD. The PFD PFD cuts, which are taxes, have grown every year except for the last one uh, when we had you know huge oil revenues and they finally used oil revenues instead of PFD cuts to fund the budget. We've had exponential growth in taxes, but who have the taxes been on? They've been on 80% of Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families. They've not been on that, using that form of taxes, that approach to taxes, the taxes aren't on the top 20%. What 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 uh, uh, John is really what this head what this what this headline really should be? Alaska needs Kelly Merrick's pro top twenty percent vision to keep the top twenty percent thriving. It's it's or pro um, gov or pro government spend or pro public sector over private sector or pro labor 
uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, all of those uh, work out there. Yeah, it's it's well, and Kelly's husband is, of course, uh, uh, Joey Mark, yeah, uh, uh, labor boss. Uh, but it's but but it's all of this article is is really when you read through it, understanding that PFD cuts are taxes, and understanding that we have had huge tax increases on middle and lower income Alaska families. All of this article is, hey, we've done a great thing the last few years by keeping all this spending going and keeping you know everything that that we think is important to business, keeping all those essential services going. Um, but and we didn't have to pay for it. The top twenty percent didn't have to pay for it. So let's reelect Kelly and others so that we can continue down that road. So that we can continue to spend. We can continue to keep all these services that are important to us as business owners. Um, uh, but we don't have to pay for it. Guess who pays for it? Yeah, their customers. Right. John John Sims's customers and John Sims's employees who don't have the good fortune of falling in the top twenty percent. They're the ones paying the taxes. It, it, there is no clearer divide or no clearer showing of the divide between the top 20% business leaders who want to, you know, want to continue the fun and games of not having to pay for, pay, pay for government and their workers and customers, the, the remaining 80%, the other 80% who do have to pay increasing taxes exponentially, exp taxes that are growing exponentially through PFD cuts, there's no clearer statement of of you know what the top twenty percent's after than is in the, than is in John's uh, column right here. It it is it, it is they're trying to tell you they're trying to tell Alaskans, hey, we need to keep this fun and games going in order to have strong business and in order to grow business. But the fun and games they need to keep going is taking money out of the remaining eighty percent right, 80 right. Uh, of the pocket in a way that has, frankly, has the largest adverse impact of all of the revenue options, has the largest adverse impact uh, on the overall economy, according to ICER's 2016 study. So it's a, it, it is a, it's a hypocritical look at, at uh, or, or a cynical look at, at Alaska uh, that John's painting. It's a self-serving look is what it is. It's a self-serving look because like many CEOs, oh, yes, let's keep the government gravy train going so that we can continue to work on these government contracts and get all these other things. And this public money can be spent in our direction. Meanwhile, putting the boots to the lowest 80 percent of Alaska and, you know, to the to the middle and lower income Alaska. Again, you pointed out that the key the key sentence in this whole thing was the legislature has succeeded in keeping the budget under control and funding essential services without raising tax. I mean, I don't know what you'd call a 50 plus percent PFD cut for seven years. That's a tax. Okay. I don't care which way you slice it. That's a tax. But here's what got me in this article. And you could comment on this. He says in the next paragraph, I understand individuals get elected by labeling themselves as either Republicans or Democrats or independents. But once they get elected and accept the responsibility to represent us, they must think of themselves as Alaskans first. So essentially, <laughs> so essentially, you you get elected by identifying as a party member. You 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 tell all the people, "This is who I am, and I'm going to get in there." But once you get in there, then you can be whatever you want to be. Then you can you basically can tell. Wait, you can tell them one thing and then do something else. Isn't that the typical politician stance? I mean, this is the excuses that they're giving in these situations. 
Yeah, you can be, and 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 really, what really what John means by that is you you should be beholden to the top twenty percent, at what regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you should be beholden to the top twenty percent, and that's what the bipartisan caucus is. I mean, you look at Zach Fields, you look at Matt Matt Clayman, you look at Kelly Merrick. That is that is who they're beholden to. That so Matt and 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 Zach gets elected as Democrats. You know, we're going to take care of Alaska families. We're going to prioritize Alaska families. We're going to do all this for Alaska families, but we're going to use PFD cuts to fund it. And and Clayman's going so far in his race now, saying, "I'd never do a tax. I'd never do. I just he cuts. I'd never do a tax." <laughs> um, and so, so you get the Democrats who are supposed to being look out looking out for Alaska families, middle and lower income Alaska families, and they're you know they they align in the top twenty percent. And then you get Republicans like Kelly Merrick. He says, I'm pro-business, I'm pro-economy, you know, economy. I'm pro-Alaska family. I, I'm going to protect Alaska families. They get in, she gets in there, and she turns into a top 20% protector. Right. So it's it's just, I mean, what what we have, we really have two parties in this state. We really do have two parties in the state, but it's not Republican and Democrat. We have the top 20% party, which is, which is you know, the people in donor the coalition. Class. The donor class, right. Right, the donor class. And then we have... The people who are who are actually looking out for middle and lower income Alaska families and actually looking out for the overall Alaska economy, not just for the business owners in the Alaska economy, not just for the top 20 percent in the Alaska economy, but they're actually looking out for the overall Alaska economy. And those are people who call the PFD PFD cuts what they are taxes and and talk about better alternatives, uh, whether reducing spending or whether using some other form of revenue. Uh, but talking about better alternatives, and yeah. this is this is this is John Sims trying to say, "Oh, we're looking out for business," when in fact we're looking out for the top twenty percent business owners. Right. That's that's what this what the what this entire op ed is really is really geared toward. Well, this is a perfect segue then into number two because number two is the axiom that you and I have used many many times. Oh, don't don't tax you. Don't tax me. Tax the man behind the tree. It's always somebody else's opinion. Roger Marks, who is an economist uh, in private practice in Anchorage, wrote another op-ed that basically said big dividends means important priorities are underfunded. And he continues to go on and talk about uh, the same kind of things, you know, taxes versus this and versus that. Uh, but this, I mean, this this whole piece is so full of uh, you know, straw man arguments and disingenuousness. Uh, I mean, the fact that he identifies as a, and maybe he just identifies as an economist and he's not really one. I don't know. Oh, yes. But he but is. I know. I just But you read this and you're just like, this is not how it works. This is not, unless you are completely have swallowed the pablum and this is what you believe, that's not how it really works. Give us number two. Well, this is, this is, uh, Roger is a friend. I've been uh, on the same side uh, of debates, public debates. He and I have debated together on, on various issues. Um, but this is what happens when you swallow look, hook, line, and sinker, the argument that the PFD, the permanent fund earnings, all the permanent fund earnings are government money. Because then you don't think about anything else. You think about spending, spending, on the PFD versus spending on something else and how, you know, spending on the PFD produces one result and spending on something else produces another result. It is, it is an attempt 
to change the narrative that we've seen consistently through, since 2016 and that you see by people who want to cut the PFD, top 20 percenters that want to cut the P, PFD, try to use. It's, it's, you know, Governor Hammond had a clear vision. The clear vision was 50% to Alaska citizens, 50% to support government. And if government spent more than that 50%, if it needed additional funds, then government needed to go back to Alaskans, all Alaskans, and say, we need more revenue from, from you in the form of taxes. That, that was clearly how, how Governor Hammond clearly envisioned it. But 50% uh, to citizens. And you know that could be used for taxes or that could be used for other things. But 50% to citizens above and beyond, that's just that's that's a starting point. You don't that's not for government. But now we've had, you know years and years of people who are trying to switch the narrative and say, oh, it's all for government. You know, that that stuff that the PFD, that stuff that it was for citizens, that was just temporary. That was just, you know, until until government really needed it. We just sort of took the surplus right. and spent it uh, and, and gave it to, to citizens during those years. But now, but it's really all for government. Well, that's not what Hammond said. That's not what the statute says. You know, we statutes, they're, they're still, the, the legislature has never been able to change the statute. That's what the statute says. The statute says 50% to the people, 50% to citizens, 50% to government. And if government needs more, it needs to go, you know, it needs to go, it needs to go to the citizens and say, you know, we need to raise it through taxes. Uh, but, you know, we have all these people who are just ignoring the statute, ignoring the history and saying, oh, no, no, that's all, that's all for government now. So if you, so if you spend it, if you, if you send it out in PFDs, you're spending it and you're spending it in a, in a worse way than if you spend it on government, uh, than if you spend it on government programs like education or the university or, or something else. It, it is a top 20 cent or top 20% argument to try to divert the narrative over to something that the, the over to something about PF uh, permanent fund earnings that, right. that never was the case and still isn't the case, at least, at least under the statutes there, Roger. Um, the, the other thing that really troubles me about this, Roger is an economist, but he doesn't, there's not, he doesn't mention taxes at all. In, in this, he doesn't right. mention alternative revenues. He never he never even looks at what the alternatives are to to PFD cuts to fund government. Never looks at the potential better in terms of more equitable and better in terms of lower impact on the on the economy. And so it's it's all part of switching the narrative. Don't admit their taxes. Don't admit don't admit that taxes are an alternative. Don't admit the taxes even exist out there. It's just we need now that we've gotten to the point where we've spent so much. Right. We need to take those permanent well, fund earnings and we need to bring them all to government. Well, the worst part is, is that this whole argument is full of blind alleys. And I mean, he's got a whole uh, he's got a whole reverse tragedy of the commons uh, argument in here. He says at one other point, no other state or nations with large savings account pay dividends. Well, that's the most disingenuous thing I've ever heard because we're not. Yes, they're, none of them are set up like the state of Alaska. None of them have a communally owned resource. He goes on to talk about how, well, nobody's going to pay for, nobody's going to use their dividend to fund schools and nobody's going to use their dividend to pay teachers and no one's going to use their dividend to fund job training programs because we have hard time finding. But he never talks about the impact of the PFD on the private economy. This is all about the public sector, how it is sacrosanct and we must fund it all, all the time. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and it's, and, and as I say, it's changing the narrative. I mean, it's not, it's not that the PFD was ever intended for citizens. It's always, it, I mean, the implication is 
It's always intended for government and, 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 and giving it to citizens is worse than using it for government programs like education, like the university. Well, yes, education, I mean, don't get me wrong. Education is important. The university is important in moderation, not in, not in, not in the, you know, the, the full blown view that some people want to take it to, but it's, but they're important in, in moderation. But if they're important, all Alaska families should contribute to the, to the additional costs that they're, that they're bringing to the state. If we've run through the 50% of revenues that Governor Hammond and the statute set aside for, for government, if we run through that, take it to the people and ask that all the people, if they're willing to pay a little bit more for these essential services of K through 12 um, and government. They don't want to, the Democrats don't want to, Roger Marks doesn't want to, Joe, John Sims doesn't want to. They don't want to take it to the people because they know what the answer is going to be. Yep. The answer is yep. going to be no. You have enough. Spend it more wisely. Spend what you have more wisely. Yep. So instead, instead of having the guts to take it to the people, they're just they're just taking the PFD instead. They're just diverting yep. the <clears throat> taxing the PFD on its way up. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. The weekly top three continues. We're in number two. We'll be back to the finish of two and three in the next segment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to shout at you, Brad, but holy balls. I mean, this this piece, I mean, again, I don't know Roger Marks. I wouldn't know him if I bumped into him on the street. And he's your friend, so I don't want to run him down too hard. But this thing is so full of these false arguments and false allegations. And this whole, this is, this is the, this whole reverse tragedy of the commons thing just absolutely blows my mind. Dividends are generally spent on personal goods, while public services are spent on collective goods where everyone contributes and everyone benefits. No one will use their dividends for collective goods because people will not invest in things where the primary beneficiary is mostly someone else. I will not use my dividend to fix a pothole on my street because more people will benefit than I will. And of course, you're an economist. People will take those monies and they will invest them, yes, in goods, sometimes in businesses, in creating new job opportunities, in creating and stimulating the economy. Those are all for the collective good. Those are all those. Even if I'm buying a big screen TV, effectively in the long run, that's for the collective good because I'm contributing to the economy. This whole idea, I mean, it's like he's trying to guilt you into, how dare you take that dividend? That doesn't help the collective good. We need to all kumbaya, have a coconut smile, and let government run it all for us because that's the only way, the only way we can move forward productively. And they don't, and 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 the key to this, Michael, is they don't want to ask the people what they want to spend on. I mean, fiscal policy should be about balancing wants with uh, with wants with what you're willing to spend for them, right? There should be a balance out there, roughly through the legislature, there should be a balance between these are the wants we have from government, and this is what we're willing to spend through taxes to support to support those wants. These guys don't want to ask Alaskans to make that balance. They don't think because they know that Alaskans will say, no, we're spending too much on government. We don't want to pay taxes. It's like a, it's like a school bond issue, right? You get People will vote for school bonds when they think they're justified, but when you get to a point where you don't think they're justified anymore, where you're wasting money, people will vote, will vote against school bonds. They're concerned that if they go out to the people, either in the form of a, 
of a PFD constitutional amendment. Giesel once said, we don't want to, we don't want to take that to the people or in the form of taxes, if they, if they try to take that out to taxes, they're afraid that people are going to push back and say, no, we don't want that spending. So what they're doing is they're, they're, they're like, they're like a stockbroker, right? Who, who is supposed to convey, who, who holds and trust the, the, or a, 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 an investment company holds and trust your investments and, and is supposed to convey the earnings to you uh, and give you back your stock, convey the earnings to you if uh, 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 when, when you have earnings. They're like a stockbroker who's saying, oh, no, I know better how to spend this money than you right, do. Right. And, and so I'm going to divert I'm going to divert this to the things I want to do. And I'm not even going to ask you about it because I know what your answer would be. Yeah. Your answer would be, no, you no. want the money. We needed some more coffee makers around here. And we decided to take that out of your kick. Sorry. Have a nice day. Uh, you know, we didn't get the benefits that we needed. So we needed to do it. And oh, my God, Randy, you are. uh <laughs> The free money, the free money, the government. Here's a, here's an acolyte of Roger Marks right here, Randy, going on and on about it. it's not a true tax saying it's just a rhetorical device. Uh, cutting back on the amount of free money that it handed to me from the government is not a free. It's not your. Oh, my God. It's your money, Brandy. It's not the government's money. Uh, I just it, blood right from my eyeballs. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to be Randy's stockbroker because I would. Uh, oh man, yeah, <laughs> take his retirement fund and you just deal with it, Brad. You deal with it. You go to Hawaii and use his retirement fund. He doesn't care as long as the bu budget balances. You're okay. You could take whatever you want because you obviously know better than him how to spend that money. Yeah, it's a uh, you know you, yes, um, I I know it's a collective good. Um, I know you're entitled to a part of it, but. You know, I just want to give it to Charlie today, as opposed to as opposed to give it to you. I mean, it, it, it what the PFD is is the earnings off of the commonly held resource. It's it's commonly held. It's not held by government. Government didn't invest in it. Government didn't pay money to build it up. It's free money. It's free money that 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 came that's coming through the state from a commonly held resource. Every, no one, I think, uh, disagrees with the fact it's a commonly held resource. And, and what the statute does, I mean, Randy, this is what the statute does. The statute says 50% of it, it goes to government to support government services when it's needed. 50% of it goes to the citizens. That's what the statute says. And taking a portion of the 50, diverting a portion of the 50% that's due to you, due to the citizens, from uh, from the permanent fund earnings uh, is the same is diverting that to government. It's just like a withholding tax. It's just like saying, you know, like you're a state employee and and the state says we're going to withhold the tax you owe. Well, what they're doing is they're withholding the money that they owe you under the statute. They're withholding that uh, and diverting it to uh, uh, to government services. That's a tax. I mean, it's not. You, you, it, it meets the classic definition of a tax. It meets the it meets the you know the Wikipedia definition of a tax. Yeah, it's the diversion of private sector money over to government. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, uh, we're gonna jump back into it here because we can. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, the Michael Duke Show. Like and share, like and share. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're finishing up with number two 
I'm just going to read a couple of the snippets here because why not? Um, With inflation raging, state government has not changed the K-12 funding formula in five years, but no one is going to use their personal dividend to fund schools. Because of low pay and inadequate retirement, we have a teacher shortage, but no one's going to pay their dividends to teachers. Businesses are having a hard time finding workers, but no one is going to use their dividend to fund job training programs. Uh, I mean, this is, again, the, the shame that we should all feel because we dare to take a dividend when obviously all these things that government should be taking care of. I mean, none of this stuff should be taken care of by the private sector. I mean, the private sector and, the, and entrepreneurship and none of these things should be taken care of by there. Uh, and again, the final comment, which I thought was the most insulting fra- uh, 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 section of the entire opinion piece, dividends are generally spent on ge- uh, personal goods, while public services are spent on collective goods where everyone contributes and everyone benefits. No one will use their dividends for collective goods because people will not invest in things where the primary beneficiary is someone else because we're all greedy. The greed and the entitlement. I will not use my dividend to fix a pothole on my street because more, more people will benefit than I will. Again, not a single word about the effect of the spend in the private sector of what it does for businesses, entrepreneurship, savings, investment. This guy's an economist. None of those things talked about in this. Not a single word. Yeah, if those things are all important, I mean, my response to Roger would be, if those things are all important, go ask all Alaska families equitably to contribute to them. If education is important, let's go ask all Alaska families equitably to contribute to them. If if uh, business training, if employee training is important to all to, to the Alaska economy, let's ask all Alaska families to go at, to contribute to, to them equitably. They are afraid the answer would be no. They are afraid the top twenty percent would say, "Wait, spend spend my money on that? No, heck no! I want to keep my money." Yeah, yeah. Let's take the let's take money from the from the middle and lower income Alaska families. Let's take money <laughs> from from the other eighty percent. That's what's going on. They are afraid of the answer if they if they go out and they ask like any other state would for for all families in the state to contribute equitably toward these supposedly you know collective common uh, objectives. They're afraid of the answer, so they're just taking the money that as it passes through their fingers, just like a stockbroker, as it passes through their fingers, they're just grabbing the money and and shoving it over. And and it's and it's it so we're ending, frankly, we're probably ending up with more of everything than we want because we don't have the top 20% engaged. We're not asking the top 20% to contribute anything. So they don't care. It's free goods to them. Yeah. And they're not and they're not pushing back. So you know, it, it, Roger, as an economist, I, I would say, Roger, you need to look at how this is working and whether we're truly achieving the objective of everybody buying in on these collective goods that you say we need. All right, let's move on to number three, which is another opinion piece by yet another economist. This one is Kevin Barry, who is an associate professor professor of economics at UAA, talking about Alaskans. Uh, Alaska isn't competitive in attracting young professionals because, you know, it's government's job to attract people up here. It's not the private sector. It's not the economy. It's not. It's government's job to do that, Brad. Don't you know? That's what it's all about. Yeah. Here's the sentence that triggered me on this one. Alaska can retain and attract workers, entrepreneurs and doers to the state. This involves continuing to build and revitalize institutions that enable and encourage people to live and work in Alaska 
the state can expand investments. And then it just goes on through a list of, of investments that the state can expand. In other words, the state can spend money uh, to, to make it a better place for others to live. Fine. You want to you spend money to make it a, a better place for others to live. Tell me how you're going to pay for it and tell me how all Alaskans, including the top 20% who are going to benefit from this too, how all Alaskans are going to contribute equitably to it. Nothing in Kevin's article, nothing, nothing in no. Kevin's op-ed talks about, talks about the revenue side, who pays, uh, uh, how it's paid for. It's just all focused well, on well, how we can spend more yeah. uh, to, do, to achieve these objectives. This is a typical government worker who's giving you his utopian ideal. And you, I mean, this is the same, you and I read this thing, and this is exactly the same paragraph that triggered me. Building and revitalizing institutions. The state can expand investments in childcare to stabilize the industry. The state can bring together builders and residents and policymakers to allow municipalities to be more flexible. The state can invest in infrastructure. The state can come up with a fiscal plan. The state, the state, the state, the state. Government, 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 government. No idea how to pay for it. But the only way we can move forward is with the direct benevolent intervention of government and screw everybody else. The government spend has got to come first. That's exactly and what if, this is about. And if you want that, if you want that, Kevin, if you want that, then let's go all, ask all Alaska families to contribute equitably for it. Let's find out if that's what Alaska families want. Put let's it to find the people. Out if that's Put what it to Alaska the people. families are willing to pay for. Yeah. Put it to the people. And that's, again, part of the problem. This is the crowd that's out there being the most vocal about this is that it's all we got to go back to government. Government's got to attract business. Government's got to attract people. Government's got to create these things. We need to have more child care. We need to have more affordable housing. How many candidates we had in this program that talked about affordable housing? We've got to government's got that's a factor and function of the market of the free market. You want to do that? Get government out of the way and watch what can happen there. The problem is government. That is the problem. But but let's ask. I mean, they, they want to do all that stuff. Let's ask Alaskans in the form of, of putting a tax bill in front of them, having all Alaskans pay equitably for it, not just shoving the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families through PFD cuts. Let's have it in the form of a tax bill that all Alaska Alaska families have to pay equitably for and see what the answer is. They, they don't, they don't, they're scared of the answer. They're scared of asking the question because they know the answer is likely going to be negative. And so all these utopian ideas are going to go out the window because no one's willing to pay. The top 20% is not willing to pay for it. As long as they can shove the cost down to middle and lower income Alaska families, as long as they don't have to ask the top 20%, as long as they can just grab that money as it's going by in the form of PFD cuts or PFD taxes, then yeah, let's just keep having all these ideas and let's keep pushing them. Let's elect, Ke let's reelect Kelly Merrick so she can continue uh, to push them and, and not charge the top 20% uh, for them. Or let's, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's keep doing all the things that Roger wants to do uh, without, without the top 20% contributing. The key here is finding the balance. The key in any, in any fiscal plan is finding the balance between what people want and what they're willing to pay for. And we've got in Alaska's got that all screwed up because because we are not asking the top 20 percent. Well, we're not asking the top 20 percent to contribute. Right. We're just saying, hey, you want more well, free goods? You want more? Free, you don't have to pay for them. You want more free goods? Oh, yes, that would be good. Let's, let's yeah, have let's, some more let's free do goods. that. Well, 
This is exactly the problem with the CONCON. This is why everybody's fighting on the CONCON, because they know how people will vote in the end. The PFD will get enshrined and people will vote for it, and they don't want that. They don't want the people to vote. They didn't want the people to vote on SB 26. They didn't want. They don't want the people to vote on a constitutional change or a statutory change to the PFD, because they know what people would do already. They know. They already know. And it's everything that they can do to avoid that. Brad, uh, down to the last 30 seconds, final thoughts, wrap up. Well, I, I think I think people should be talking about taxes at least to be honest. If they want these sort of things, they ought to include a paragraph about how they're going to pay for them, and they ought to include a paragraph about how they're going to pay for them equitably. And and let's see what the reaction is to that, as opposed to let's have these things, but twenty percent at the top twenty percent you don't have to pay for it, so don't worry about it. Yes, I know. Yeah. So so you get the top twenty percent saying. Yeah, it's okay. We need to be we need to be asking citizens what they want. Uh, this all should go to the people at this point. I agree with you. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, uh, we're in the break right now. That was quick. Just tripped right over. In the break, uh, you know, Brad, uh, I didn't mean to get so wrapped up today, but to, to sit here and read these three pieces you know, one from the private sector, from the from the government fed private sector, and then two from uh, basically, uh, you know, well, I guess Roger Marx is not in the public. Se- but again, to just read this, it's just a parroting of we have to look to government for everything. We have to look to if there's a problem, government has to be the one to solve it. We can't make the private sector work. We can't make the entrepreneur economy work. We can't make all this other stuff work. And not a single mention from two of these people who are economists, not a single mention of the impact of that money flowing into the private economy and the multiplier effect or anything else. Not a single talking point about that. It's all about how government has to be fed first. Yeah, we're making two we're, we're making two different points. They dovetail. Your point is it's it's they're all saying government has to do this, government has to protect us. My point on the back end of that is and they're afraid to ask the people to agree with that in the in the form of asking all Alaskans to contribute equitably to that cost. So it's we have these ideas, we want to run with these ideas. Government needs to do it. We need funding for it. Oops, if we ask Alaskans in the form of either taxes or in the form of a vote, um, they may not agree with it, but we know it's the right thing to do. So what we'll do is we'll just, you know, we'll be the stockbroker, we'll grab the PFD as it's going by uh, and divert it over to government so we can fund these things that that we want to do. It is, it, it is anti-democratic because you're not, you're not trying to find in in a way that that 49 other states do, you're not trying to find the balance between what what you want, what what people want, and what they're willing to pay for it. Um, it's anti-democratic. It's anti-family because you're taking money out of the out of the pockets of 80 percent of a, of Alaska families, uh, middle and lower income, the people who are least able to afford it compared to the top 20 percent. You're taking so it's anti-family and it's anti-economy because you're exactly right. Cutting the PFD has the largest. Dicer told us in 2016, cutting the PFD has the largest adverse impact on the overall economy of any of the of any of the revenue options. So it's 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 totalitarian, it's anti-family and it's anti and it's a, a anti-economy and it's just it's just wrong. Let if you really feel those are the right things to be doing, John Sims, if you really think those are the right things to be doing, Roger, if you really think those are the right things to be doing, Kevin, ask Alaska all Alaska families to contribute to it equitably. And let's see what your answer is. 
Right. And I'm and 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 you know, and I'm going to guess that the answer is going to be no. We don't want to do all that. We would prefer to keep the 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 money in our pockets because we but believe we know better than you how to spend our own money. Right. And you are overriding that. You you. John and, and Roger and Kevin are proposing to override that, proposing to override all Alaska families, because you know the top 20% won't agree with you. As long as it's free to them, they'll agree with you and they'll let you do whatever you want. But if they have to pay, you know that what they're going to say and they're going to say no. So let's 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 get let, let's get a system in place where we can find a balance before we go off on all these tangents about spending more here, there, and everywhere. Let's find a system that 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 puts in place a system where we balance what we want with what all Alaska families are willing to pay for it equitably. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Three weeks, Brad, till election. What are you seeing? Give me some analysis here, real quick. I got about two minutes. Well, we're going to see a lot of money coming in. I mean, the the the, the press tells us that that uh, progressives have raised a lot of money. We're going to see a lot of money uh, coming into the airwaves on behalf of uh, progressive candidates. Um, hopefully there will be some, uh, on behalf of, uh, on behalf of conservative candidates, I would hope governor Dunleavy would get out there and use some of the, some of the political will that he's built up, uh, to campaign for candidates that will support him in the legislature. He hasn't done that yet. And I think that's a surprise, uh, at least on my part, but I hope he'll get out there and do it. And, um, and we just have to keep fighting the fight. Yeah. Um, Okay, I just got to drop this one on you, Brad, before we run out of time. Don just said, and this is the classic Republican response, do not tax me to keep the PFD. Um, You're already being taxed, Don. Just telling you right now. I mean, this is, but this is the messaging, right? This is the pro-government spend Republican messaging of, oh, you're going to trade taxes for a PFD uh, when that's not. That's not how it works. I mean, on paper, you could say, well, yes, it swaps from one column to another, but that's effectively not what's going on. And you're already being taxed. The PFD is in a strip. The statute sets up the PFD in a strip going from the permanent fund earnings down to Alaska citizens. It's not government money. The only way it's becoming government money is because the government in the middle is diverting it over because it doesn't want to ask the top 20% what they want to spend on because government is diverting it over to uh uh, to, to spend it on things uh, it, it wants to. But Don, the PFD is not your money to redirect to, to government to avoid you paying taxes. The PFD is Michael's, it's mine, it's, it's everybody else's in this audience. The fact, the, the fact that you want to avoid taxes on you tells me you want to take money out of Michael's pocket, out of my pocket, and out of everybody else's pocket to make your life better. Well, okay, you've gotten away with it so far. But it's not finding a balance between what Alaskans want and, and what, what Alaskans are willing to pay for. What all it is, is you taking money away to pay for government because you don't have you, you don't have the ability or you don't have the desire to pay for it yourself. You like free goods. You like you like all these government services out there, but you don't want to pay for them. Well, we, we need to find a way where all Alaskans have to contribute to those goods. And then we'll find out what the balance is. <clears throat> Brad, uh, thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. Um, it's uh, as always, it's uh, entertaining and a pleasure. I appreciate you being part of it today. Enjoy my the rest pleasure. of your week, my friend. All that music and uh, and good food. Eat something for me. All right, I appreciate it. I will. That's I the will. only way. Th- I w- thanks for having me. It's the only way I won't gain weight is if you eat it for me. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks, Brad. Uh, appreciate it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets.
All right, folks, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hour two, dead ahead. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, it is The Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live. Thank you for coming in and joining us today. We appreciate you guys, uh, of course, coming in each and every day. If you're just joining us, you just you missed being part of the 6 o'clock club by this much. Uh, if you get up before 7 and join us, you are an official member of the six o'clock club and that comes with no perks at all other than bragging rights i mean you know it's just one of those it's like whose line is it anyway where the rules are made up and the points don't count but you could be a you could be a six o'clock club member all you got and then get and then buy the cup that brags that you're a six o'clock club member see that's how it works all right this segment of the program let me turn the phones on and the phones are now on. We're going to turn the phones on, and we're going to take some calls from you guys in this segment. Uh, and we could talk about anything that we just talked about with Brad. And there's plenty of people in the chat room who have been complaining about things that uh, we've talked about. They don't agree. They disagree. Uh, whatever it is. And uh, I would love to hear uh, what you guys have to say. So uh, phone lines are now open, and the number to call is uh, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by your friends at Satellite West. Now, no matter where you are in the state, I, I don't even care. Uh, it could be Anaktuvik Pass or it could be Desolation Bay. It doesn't matter where you are, the peak of Mount McKinley or Denali, whatever, uh, or somewhere else. If you need to stay in contact, be that by phone or email or text message, or you need to surf the internet for your favorite Netflix show, whatever it is, the folks at Satellite West can hook you up. They've got the technology and they've got access to the Iridium Satellite Network to be able to put it all together for you. And they are proud sponsors of the program today. So thank you to Satellite West for sponsoring today's 
broadcast. All right, we're going to go over to the phones. I have some other things that I want to talk about. Obviously, I'm a little worked up today about some of these things because I get, I just, I'm so sick and tired of all these people looking to government and then telling us that it's for our own good. This whole opinion piece uh, from Roger Marks with the whole tragedy of the commons things baked into it is just so, so, it's triggering. I'm triggered. Triggered. That's exactly where I'm at this morning. Uh, but I want to hear what you guys have to say on this. So let's open the phone lines and see what you guys uh, have to say. We'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Jesse calling from Fairbanks, and uh, I really wasn't calling about the PETA. Well, I was going to ask about the Constitutional Convention. I, I've heard a lot about this and uh, that we don't want it from obviously Democrats. But... Uh, I don't know exactly what it means, how it works, or what we're going to be doing if you vote for it. Um, well, Jesse, you know, the Constitutional Convention is not something we should take lightly. Um, I believe we should vote yes on it. Uh, essentially, if we vote yes in this next election cycle and it passes, um, we would uh, then elect, nominate, and elect delegates from around the state. The delegates would sit for 75 days, and they would go through line by line different changes that they would want to make to the Constitution, and that would include and could include, um, you know, discussions on um, everything from uh, retention of judges and how we do that. We could enshrine the PFD. We could put a spending cap in. Um, you know, the pro-life, pro-choice privacy issue could be questioned. All these things would be put together. The delegates then vote on all these things. They debate and they vote on them over a period of, you know, like 75 days. And then they present it all to Alaskans and say, what would you, what do Alaskans say? Vote yes or no on the variety of issues, and then the Alaskans would have the final say as to whether or not that would be ratified and those changes would be made to the Constitution. So yeah, there's a lot of fear-mongering going on on the other side, primarily because I think um, they understand that because the politicians don't have the political will to fix what's wrong, the people are going to have to do it, and they don't want to lose their power base. That's what it's out. You know, when the, when the lunatics have the keys to the asylum, they don't want to give it back. And so that's the essential. But the thing is, this is going to take some time. This is probably going to take probably three, maybe four years for it all to get nailed down and, and put together. Uh, but it's not it's not a quick fix, but it could fix a lot of the problems that we have here in the state right now. Well, thank you. That answered the question. I, I was just kind of wondering if there was any repercussion like uh, if we we said yes to the convention we do have some way to say no we don't want this or yes we do want absolutely this amendment to the constitution that 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 answered my question and yep. uh, i appreciate it appreciate it have jesse a good morning. yep the people always have the final say in that in that um and uh and i'm glad you called and asked the question thank you so much let's continue ahead over here let's go to the next call good morning who's this where are you calling from randy in fairbanks good morning randy yeah, I appreciate the discussion with uh, you and Brad Keithley there. One of the things that was brought out was it was said that, well, none of the other states are set up like Alaska. That's why none of the other states give out a dividend because we're different. But the fact is, is a lot of states, like Texas, for instance, have huge legacy funds and they don't give out a dividend. And the reason is, it's not because they're mad at their people or anything. It's because there is no surplus. And the city of Fairbanks is the same way. We have a legacy fund. We have something that's called the 
the permanent fund of the city of Fairbanks. It's a lot smaller than the Alaska permanent fund. But the city of Fairbanks does not give out a dividend to city residents because there is no surplus. Everything that the city has, its money, is all devoted to the people of Fairbanks. It's devoted for uh, public services. And if we ever had so much money coming into the city of Fairbanks, I guess they could put out a dividend to the residents of Fairbanks because they would have a surplus. So that's the issue. In Alaska, we do not send money out to other countries, Pakistan and Brazil or whatever. All of it is used for Alaska, whether it's cash or services. The important thing is to keep it all within a balanced budget. Uh, except for your argument uh, fails and neglects to mention the fact that in Alaska, we collectively own the resource and the permanent fund is based off the earnings of that resource, um, which, again, is shared by all Alaskans. And when they created the permanent fund dividend, it was to give Alaskans a share of the collectively owned oil resource. No other state in the union has that. That's why you don't see with legacy funds or sovereign wealth funds or anything else. That's why they don't disperse those monies to the people, because the people don't collectively own the resource. That's the difference, Randy. That's why it is the people's money. And I know you don't believe that. I know you don't agree with that. And there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to change your mind. But that's where your argument falls apart. Well, I agree with you that it's collectively owned. We, the, the Americans in general have a lot of collectively owned property, offshore oil money and so forth. But we don't get a dividend or a UBI from the government because because there's no surplus money. We have a $31 trillion national debt. We're never going to have surplus money, Randy. I'm I'm just, I'm done with that. They're they're never going to have surplus money. As long as there's money available for them to take, they're going to take it. And your argument that, well, if we balance the budget, we can have a thing. They're never going to, if you give them that lead to say, well, if we balance the budget, then everybody can have a dividend. They're never going to balance the budget on that kind of argument, Randy. They will suck up every available dime in the room and then ask for more. That, that's just, that is the nature of government. It is the nature of politicians. It is the nature of what we've done. I mean, as you just pointed out, we're $31 trillion in debt. Not only have we sucked up all the uh, money in the room, we've leveraged our children's future. And if the state of Alaska had the ability to print money and leverage and buy and buy, you know, get into debt and do that, we would have done that here as well. We already blew through 14, 15, 16 billion dollars in a handful of years. If you honestly think that by giving them more money, they somehow will create a balanced budget, you are kidding yourself, my friend. Kidding yourself. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene in Kodiak. Hello, Carlene. Hello. I have some really good news. You have done the good news section in a few weeks. Well, there you go. Um, I, I give me the, give me the, give me the good news. Okay. Um, the really good news is that. Um, a Lutic Museum got $7.2 million, and they're able to remodel the downstairs, the building that they rent. Um, but it feels like what they should really do is just get on their own two feet and <laughs> use that money to, to buy an empty building over here instead of uh, well. the need of corporations subsidize that. And then... 
Kodiak got $12.5 million on our uh, our high school school bond thing. I don't know. I don't think we got it last year, the right. governor, but this year the governor gave that to us. And then, of course, the ferry. And then we have a new huge building. It's about a feels like it's as big as a block downtown. It'll be a year and a half. That's health and social services. I don't know how much money that is. But so, um so uh and what's going on over here is I listened to the fisheries debate and uh the moderator Dan Rohr said that the fisheries in Alaska is five billion dollar industry a year. They pay pay five million dollars in taxes, but it won't be that many taxes because um, the governor just signed something, and Gary Stevens about giving tax credits to the canneries. And I spoke to a friend yesterday. She commercial fishes. Her daughter does. Her son-in-law and her son commercial fishes. And my friend said that that five billion dollars, most of it will leave Alaska, because um, the. She, she kept trying to tell me who owns the canneries here. She kept saying Mormons, Mormons, Mormons. I said, I think you mean Moonies, but I think that cannery is gone. I don't know. But the Mormons have a cannery. The fishermen have a new cannery they just built called Silver Bay. And then Japan and China, Bristol Bay Native Corporation. I'm not sure how much Japan and China own here. So... Um, that's really good news for Kodiak. And then I've been following the APOC story mm-hmm. because I want to know why the Republican governors have given um, Dunleavy $3 million. And i just like to know who the donors are. Well, the Republican Governors Association is the donor. I'm trying to figure out if you were being facetious on the good news, uh, uh, Carlene, because, I mean, first and foremost, I got to say that I don't believe that any private organization, private museum or otherwise should have received a $7 million grant, especially a $7 million grant to remodel a space they don't even own. If somebody wants to support uh, any kind of museum, be it uh, Mariner history, Native history, Alaskan history, a radio talk show host history museum, any of those things, those things should be supported by the communities, the philanthropists, and those in the area that want to do it. Uh, so I'm trying to decide if you're being facetious on the good news, because to me, when I saw those, I didn't think it was good news at all. I know my daughter hates it when I'm being facetious. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> another good news, well, it's all in perception. Right, I that, guess, yeah. That when we get the native sovereignty, there will be no taxes on natives. That's about 150,000 of us. Yeah. Well, Carlene, I appreciate you calling in and joining us this morning. Thank you for uh, thank you for being part of it. Um, all right. I got a couple other lines on hold, but I'm up against the break. We got Chris story coming up. I'm going to take these calls during the break and we're going to come back. The Michael Duke show continues uh, in just a moment. We'll get our weekly uplift from Chris story and we'll return in just a minute here on your home for common sense, liberty based free thinking radio. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show.
Okay, let's go over to the phones real quick here and uh, talk to these folks here because uh, I got Chris Story coming up. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Patrick in North Pole. Hello, Patrick. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I kind of disagree with you on opening the Constitution up for for the um, for um, the general public again to vote on all these things. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, we're only trying to fix one issue, which is the basically the what do you call that? The um, um, the uh, permanent dividend. The permanent fund, right? If we're only trying to finish the permanent finish the permanent dividend. Why don't we just um, uh, make put that out to a vote of the people somehow to put it into the Constitution because when you open this up, you're going to be taking away possibly there's a lot of people in this state that have retired and are in their in their 60s and 70s and 80s that had pensions from the state and those can all go away simply by not deleting them and nobody in this state would have anything. You're going to lose all your state trooper pensions, all your state employees' pensions, and a lot of these people in the teachers' unions, I believe, withdrew from Social Security so they would end up with nothing. And you think this is right to do? Do you these think? People? Do you I think? I don't trust anybody to do anything. Well, Patrick, other than you, the, with the politicians, they'll take everything they can get from you. Patrick, do you think that the people of the state of Alaska would allow that? Yes, I do, because they're going to say, "Wait a minute, that that solves our budgetary problems." Yeah. So you think that by by another way to handle this thing and put it up to a vote of the people that this is an amendment that this must be done and it's law. Well, we we tried that. that. Any we, government official that tries to change we tried that. Patrick is subject to Patrick, felony or what happened. Patrick, we already tried that. We already tried that. I mean, it's been tried. The governor tried to put in a statutory dividend last year. There's no political will for the legislature to move it forward to put it to the vote of the people. That's the problem. There is no political will to fix what is fundamentally broken well, in the state. I understand state. that problem, but we can override the legislature by simply a referendum. Well, okay, so are you going to start a referendum to go out there? Because, I mean, by the way, referendums are very expensive and very time-consuming overall. So are you going to do that? Well, my representative from this, from where I'm at, pay for paying a full CFD. Okay, so and you're, so so you're covered. In my area, it's you're, areas where you're talking about you, some of the other areas that are not paying this piece or ones that are holding this up. I think that you are overblowing this. Again, I think you're you're giving into the fear-mongering that's happening uh, that we're seeing on the Defend Our Constitution side where they're going to take our gun rights and, and this and that and pensions and they're going to, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria kind of thing. I think you're giving into that. I trust the people of Alaska a little more than that uh, on this, in utter fairness. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Pers and Ters. I'm not done talking yet. I said I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Pers and Ters system. I'm not a fan of the Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, but I would never vote to take those people's pensions away because that was a promise that was made. That's a contractual promise. I don't know if it could be uh, amended in the Constitution that way, but even if it could, I, for one, would not vote for it because that doesn't make any sense. We made a promise. We need to live by that promise. Um, I think that there's a lot of fear-mongering going on in changing the Constitution, and the ones that are mostly scared are the politicians, and that's part of the problem today, Patrick. Well, that's not all, that's not all the problem either. Because if we open this up, we can lose our hunting and fishing thing. All they have to do. Oh, who's is who's gonna who's gonna? Okay, Patrick. Who is gonna take state. that? Who's gonna take that away? You think Alaskans are gonna vote their own hunting and fishing rights away? 
Well, the way the way politicians write things up, you never know what you're voting well, on. Well, that's where we're going to spend a whole lot of money again coming back and saying no to these things. Okay. Well, I mean, I appreciate your point of view. I disagree with it wholeheartedly. I trust Al- I don't believe Alaskans are going to vote away our gun rights or our hunting and fishing rights or anything else. I think that's ridiculous. I think that they will continue uh, that, that that Alaskans can make those decisions for themselves. And the fact that you believe that Alaskans can't and that uh, government needs to have that money is to reign supreme. I, I mean, I think that that's I think that's part of the problem. Um, I and I believe that that's giving into the fear mongering that we're hearing from the other side. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, looks like Chris Story is actually not going to be joining us this morning. I got a text message, so we got one more call on hold. We're going to jump over to them and continue to take calls this morning. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. So if I learned to read my text messages a little bit earlier this morning, because right before the show, apparently I didn't hear my phone go off, right before the show, Chris Story texted me and said that he's at a bad place, out of cell phone range, not at home, so can he beg off? Uh, And so he's begged off, so no Chris Story today. Oh, man. And today was a day that I really needed it. That's okay. We're going to continue on with phone calls. I've got one more on hold. We just took one during the break. Patrick was saying that we don't need to open up the Constitution because he believes the people of the state of Alaska would vote to defund all of the retirement systems and we would vote the hunting and fishing rights away. He believes that's what would happen. I totally disagree with him on that, but everybody's entitled to their opinion. Phone lines are open right now at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. This hour of the program being sponsored by your friends at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Over to the phones we go over here here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. It's Jeff from Homer. Still well, not in Homer, though. My goodness, my friend. We were everybody. Somebody sent me a message the other day. Said, have you heard from Jeff from Homer? Did he get hit by a bus or what's going on? How are you doing, Jeff? What's on your mind? <laughs> I am fine. I've been playing with my eight grandkids and my kids and shooting a little bit of birds and hunting and fishing and just enjoying myself and not watching any TV. Well, good, good. I know sometimes it's good to get away and uh, and be, uh, you know, to relax and uh, and to uh, let all that go, the stuff that you can't control. So what's on your mind today, Jeff? Oh, not much. Just want to let you know I am alive. Okay. And I will be back. Okay. You know. You're alive and you're going to be back. And, uh, get in the chopper now, you know. Yeah, get, get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, well, it's good. It's good to know that you're still around, and we're going to uh, and we're going to be hearing more from you. So it's good to good to know you're still above ground. That's uh, that's what yep. some people were worried about. So, yeah, I'm pretty tough on Brad. I've been out north a lot. I've been flying planes. I've been doing all the stuff I do. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff, for calling well, in. It's I good. We'll be back, and, and uh, hopefully. Hopefully that the election goes good. If not, we probably have a civil war, but what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we'll we'll have to see. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks, Jeff. It's good to hear from you. I appreciate you calling in and joining us. And we look forward to uh, seeing you once you get back on the ground. The chat room says hi uh, all the way through. So. You will be the first to know. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Well, probably Neil Hill's fan, but you will be the first to know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for calling in, Jeff. I appreciate uh, appreciate the call today. Uh, Jeff calling in from Homer. Been a while since we heard from him. We were wondering, wondering where he went. Uh, good to know that he's still around and we will be hearing more from him. All right. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Five zero. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking through here. Um, there, um, uh, see, um, it's not just a PFD, which is in question. Rob, Senator Rob Meyer says a referendum cannot be used to change a constitution. It would take a change to the constitution to make that possible. I thought that there was only two ways. But I wasn't sure. Thank you, Rob, for keeping me on the straight and narrow on that. Uh, either an amendment through the legislature or the Constitutional Convention. And don't you trust the people at Alaska? I mean, obviously, the legislature doesn't because they know exactly how Alaskans will vote, which is why they've been playing these reindeer games with all this stuff over the last uh, six, seven years is because of that. Um, um I'm going through here. Um, um, uh, let's see what else people are saying here in the chat room. Um, basically along the same lines as, uh, you know, the same kind of thing. Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, let's continue on here. Phone lines are open again at 907-433-3150. And we will see what you guys want to talk about. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael, this is Jim from Kenai. Good morning, Jim. What's on your mind? Well, the Constitutional Convention. I'm in full full agreement that we do it. The only problem I see is with our voting system because the Dominion machines are still being used, and we know there's been manipulation in the past. And, uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I guess uh, it would probably go through the same voting system that we use for everything else for the delegates. Um, I think, again, um, with the right, uh, you know, with the, with the right person as governor, with the right person overseeing the division of elections, we could answer a lot of those concerns and complaints that people may have out there. I think that would be a, uh, I think that there would be a, a good opportunity for that. But I still think that regardless of whether or not there's questions on it, we still have to try and put it forward because, I mean, what other choice do we have at this point? The legislature obviously does not care and does not want to address these issues. It's going to be up to the people. Uh, I agree with you, Michael, and I think we can do a lot. We can specify which issues will be voted upon. And then, of course, we as the people vote on each of those issues. So they can put garbage forward and vote it down. Uh, or they can put forward what we really want and we can approve it. The delegates that we approve and vote in to bring up issues that we want to change in the Constitution 
is what's probably most important next to the people's vote. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. I mean, the people's vote is going to have the ultimate say. And and again, that's one thing that the legislature and, and, and really it's one of the reasons why they've been so fervently pushing all this fear mongering is because they understand that if the people get up there and make these choices, they will have no further say in it. It will be taking away a big uh, uh, component of their power base. Um, which is why they haven't put any of this stuff or put this up for constitutional amendments on their own. Um, of course, they're going to be pushing on this as well. But, I mean, it's it's going to be up to the people in the end. And, in fact, many of these big questions like this should have been put up for advisory votes of the people, but they'll never do it because they know exactly what the people will say. I agree, Michael. Thank you so much. Empower to the people. All right. Thank you so much for your call. We appreciate you uh, listening in and giving us a call this morning. 907-433-3150. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Cindy from Fairbanks. Hello, Cindy. Hi. Well, I think you kind of answered my question because uh, the commercial says about the, the Constitution vote oh, no. Cindy, Cindy, I got to interrupt you real quick. Your connection is horrific and you're distorting real bad. Can you call back and, uh, and, and, and I'd love to talk to you, but I'd love to actually be able to understand what you're saying because your connection is just horrible right now. So if you'd call me right back, um, I'd appreciate it. We'll, we'll try and get you on again. Cause I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, let's jump over to the other call. Next one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Paul and Homer. Good morning, Paul and Homer. What's on your mind, sir? Yeah, the uh, Constitutional Convention, I think people should understand that the legislature, legislators are specifically allowed in our Constitution to serve as delegates. That is true. And uh, they, um, of, of course, it's going to be in the portion district, so legislators that run for that and said they would will be the will get elected of course. Yeah, the only the idea that people will vote on these things individually is not correct at all because the constitution says that the convention should be as close as possible to the original. And in the original the constitution all of the elements were voted on in a single ordinance. So that will probably be the uh, way this goes. So a dividend uh, in the in the Constitution would probably carry the vote, and all of the other things, such as the retirement system being changed, such as getting rid of the single subject rule for laws, all of those things would be carried along the back because people wouldn't be voting on those individually. Those in in and again, reading the Constitution, it's not explicit that they can't be broken out. 
Uh, and I would think that it's something that have, would have to be fought for. Uh, but I believe it could be done uh, where it, each individual question could be its own question on the ballot. Um, you're right that legislators can serve as delegates. But I would also like to see um, you know a question being put forward that holds the convention during the same time that the legislature is in session. That would also prevent them because they, they while they can hold both seats, they can't do the work at both at the same time as well. So there are there are questions for sure, Paul. There are questions well, about how to make well, it work. But yeah, the problem is that it's explicit in the Constitution that there can be uh, no mm-hmm. limits on the call, and so this is after you've elected all these mostly. Um, le- current legislators mm-hmm. to serve in these 55 or so uh, positions. And, of course, what they're going to want to do is get all of the little things that they have been trying for that didn't have broad uh, support to legislature. They'll want to get those incorporated in this Constitution. It is all carried, the vote is all carried through by the people voting just on the PFD incorporation. So, uh, you know, that's the problem. And, and yes, it would be possible for the delegates to come back and say, we're going to vote on the, all these changes individually. But there's no requirement for that. We're not going to know whether that's going to be the case uh, until the delegates have decided to have plenary power, which means they can design it any way they want. And right. in 2026, we could be voting on a, a single issue, right. PFD, or we could be voting on PFD and all of these other things that people have wanted. And right. There's, you know, when you're trying to contain the budget, what you're trying to do is eliminate costs and retirements are one of those things that get eliminated if people are voting on retirement health care benefits at the same time they're voting on the PFD, what are people going to be voting? Well, the good news is, Paul, is that if uh, some legislators or delegates and or delegate legislators decided to put that into the Constitution uh, and to change the Constitution to fundamentally gut the uh, the benefits or the retirement program, they would then have to live with that on the other side. I don't think that that would be politically distasteful for most of them because they'd have to live with the fact that they killed the, penif- the benefits program. So I think that that would be – and as I said, even though I'm opposed to the idea – of defined benefits and the past programs, I would never vote against giving those people what they were promised because that's a contract and that was a promise with people. So I I, I would think that, uh, again, it would be politically unpalatable for that. But there's a lot of questions. You know, what we need to do is we need to have a constitutional convention so we can figure out how this thing works. Many other states have had multiple dozens of constitutional conventions over the years, and they still they still move forward. It wasn't the it wasn't the catastrophic thing that is being portrayed right now by the defend our constitution crowd. So I mean, I I I think we need to open up the conversation because there's just not the political will to get it done, and I'm willing to take the chance. Uh, I know some people aren't, and that's why there's a vote on it. Uh, you can vote for it or against it. I think it's the only way we're going to solve some of the problems that we have right now because there's just no political will to get it done. Well, the, pro- the problem is that all of these little things, uh, you know, just like the single subject rule for bills, 
that's a little thing that nobody really understands, but that's why we don't have omnibus bills like they do in the federal government and most of other states where they cram everything into right. one bill. Christmas and tree bill. On one, one thing, which yep. is exactly what the Constitutional Convention could be. Right. We could vote on all of these changes that be voting on only the one that concerns them the most and all of the rest drug along. Yeah. No, we I could mean, be looking at um, people not understanding what the single subject rule prevents. Yeah. No, Paul, you're right. I mean, look, there's there is danger. There is uh, adversity and danger in voting yes on the Constitutional Convention. There's also adversity and danger in not voting for it one way or the other. We're going to have to make a decision on an individual basis. Uh, I, for one, am willing to take the risk. I know others are not. And that's we'll see how it all plays out in the end. Uh, I appreciate you calling in, though. Thank you for sounding off this morning. I'm up against the break. I've got two more lines on hold. We're going to take those calls on the other side of the break and we will be back the michael duke show continues common sense liberty-based free thinking radio we got some lines open if you want to call in at 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 one final segment here before we run the clock out for today we'll be back with more right after this Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break right now, we got, uh, well, we only have one line on hold now. We're going to take their name and who they are, where they're calling from, and we will take their call as soon as we return to the radio. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, Bonnie in North Pole. Okay, Bonnie, you hold the line, my dear, and you will be first up in the queue when we get back uh, here uh, in just a second. I wish Cindy from Fairbanks would call back, but because uh, her phone call was just so garbled, we couldn't even understand it. Um, okay, um, um, I'm, I'm going. I'm going backwards here to see what you guys have been saying. This show is insanity. Having a libertarian pushing a tax is the definition of it. I don't know when I was pushing a tax, but um, why are you even here? Is it just to hear yourself? Is that the question? I'm just asking. The only valid fear with the con-con is how delegates will be chosen. We know money, special interest, corruption, legacy leadership, nepotism will reach ugly head and how much will Alaskans stand for. It's true. I mean, it is, again, it's chancy. I'm not saying that there is no danger. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm saying that if we do nothing, it's just as bad. Um. Let's see. The people's vote should have the final say, but will it really, says Ren? Well, that's what the Constitution says. So I guess we'll have to see what the what they goes through there. Um, uh, anyone listen to the Matsu Borough Assembly debate last night? No, I did not. Um, every legislative session is a con-con, says Bill Price. It, that's true. I mean, Shelley Hughes made that valid argument. The Constitution is open to every legislature at every time. Uh, it's all that it is. Rob Myers goes on to say, the call will be as close to the original as possible, but not the end product. 
Uh, again, I don't believe that Alaskans will stand for some kind of omnibus constitutional thing. I don't think that they, they're going to want to vote on each individual thing, I believe. Um, uh, going to thing. If we do not hold a constitutional convention now, we will lose Alaska forever. Be brave and trust the people, says Terry. Um, um, possible poison pills will cause a new document to be voted down. That's why it's smarter for the delegates to write individual amendments, says Rob. I agree. Uh, if you want your individual amendments to go through there, you need to do it. And again, what politician, if you get a legislator who becomes a delegate, what legislator is going to want to live with the legacy of destroying the defined benefits retirement system? I mean, anybody. You Would you even be able to get a job in this state after that? Um, that's the question. Um, scroll, scrolling, scroll, scrolling through here. Um, we need to improve voter participation. Yes. Um, people need to stop living in fear. We have an out of control government and only governor and only, and only voters can fix this mess. Absolutely. Um, um, I'm still going, uh, still going through here. Um, why is anybody here? So Harold said, good question. Why is anybody here? I don't know, Harold. Why? They're here of their own free will. Yeah, uh, you know, that's you're and you're still here. What is there? Um Nothing produces more of nothing. It's time to be heard. Charlie Pierce is in the chat room. Good morning, Charlie. Doing nothing produces more of nothing. It's time to be heard. Vote yes. Let's do the hard work. I agree. Uh would love to hear from Charlie here in the next couple of days as we're getting ready to close to election day. Um, okay. I think, I think I've gotten most of the past comments here that were interesting and fun. Um, seeing if there's anything else that I missed. Jeff, Jeff. Oh, Jeannie said it was her that was asking if Jeff had passed away. Cause I mean, we did everything. Okay. Kind of thing. Cause we hadn't heard from Jeff in so long and he was a staple in the show around here. Uh, all right, we got uh, we got another line on hold. Let's see who this is and get their number, uh, get their name and where they're calling from, and they will be number two in the queue when we return. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Did they step away to use the pate? Apparently they did. They're not there. So we'll do it blind. We'll do it blind. That's a- that's how it works right here. And we got a third caller. Let's go over to the third caller. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Michael, this is Craig in Fairbanks. How are you doing? Hello, Craig in Fairbanks. What's happening, my friend? We're going to be, uh, I got somebody right ahead of you, and then you're going to be uh, number two in the queue. So would you hold the line, and I'll be right back to you? Got it. Okay. All right. Craig is Craig is going to be number two in the queue because number two just went away. So we got two lines on hold and we're going to jump to them first, Bonnie and North Pole and Craig and Fairbanks. And um, that's it. Uh, I'm just going through anything else. Uh, We're all good. All right. Ready to jump back into it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. It is the Michael Duke show and we are ready to go. Let's get this thing done. Here we go.
All right. Uh, down to the final segment for the show this morning. Coming up tomorrow on the broadcast, we're going to be doing that big debate between Justin Ruffridge and Ron Gillum. Two hours of conversation and discussion. It's going to be a little freewheeling mess. I imagine it's be the first time I've done a debate on the air. Well, I guess I've done it in the past, but be be a long time. It's been over a decade since I've done a debate on the air, so that'll be fun. Uh, but make sure you come in and join us right now. Let's go back to the phones. Bonnie is in North Pole. She's been on hold for a while. We want to see what she has to say this morning. Bonnie, what's on your mind? Well, good morning. <clears throat> good morning. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the. The newest story I've heard. Okay, the newest story you've heard. Give us the story. <clears throat> it's a fishing story that you can catch halibut in the Chena River. In the Chena using River. Using snow snakes for bait. Using snow snakes for bait. Okay. <laughs> and and how's that worked out for you, Bonnie? Are you got a freezer full of halibut from snow snakes? It works really well. Okay. As soon as as soon as I finish my snipe hunting, I'm going to go doing some halibut fishing in the Chena with snow snakes. All right, Bonnie. Thanks for good. Good. Thanks. Thanks so Goodbye. much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Call it in. You know why not? It's just Craig is in Fairbanks. Uh, he wanted to sound off. Good morning, Craig. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Michael, just a little uh, history on that halibut in the Chino. We did a practical joke during golden days. We uh, had a whole halibut flown up from Valdez, put it on a lure, and had it in the water with hundreds of people on the bridge and and pulled this halibut out of the water and uh, carried it all over town, walked into the Mecca with it, up and down. Down, Bill Walker was there, and he couldn't believe we got a halibut. <laughs> yeah, of course, anyway, of course it was, not. Uh, this, it was pretty fun. That sounds like a that sounds like a Craig Campo special right there. Hey, so that sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, tonight I just want to let some listeners know we're having a fundraiser for Kevin McKinley uh, over at Shooters, the shooting simulator business upstairs in the Roundup, between five thirty and seven thirty. Uh, people can unlimited ammo you can shoot away and and suggest a donation to the campaign of course uh, free hors d'oeuvres but um, Kevin's going to talk about House Bill 203 which was the safe safe handgun bill or whatever uh, Ashley Carrick I think wrote it while working for Adam Wall it's horrible there's some unintended consequences in there people need to learn about it and Kevin's going to speak to that he's uh, of course a real pro second amendment guy right and we're trying to get him elected and we got a good shot at it so invite people to come down and get down to shooters that's upstairs in the roundup on south Richmond and 5 30 to 7 30 and have some fun all right 5 30 to 7 30 at the roundup upstairs for shooters which is your shooting simulator which is a cool deal uh you guys going to be at the go winter expo this weekend yeah, we will. We'll be there. Um, compos will be there, and then the shooters will be there. So we'll have some fun and look forward to seeing everybody there in, in a, what right. I call a post-COVID environment. <laughs> Post-COVID <laughs> environment. All right, Craig, thank you so much for calling in, my friend. I appreciate it. We'll see you this weekend uh, at the Carlson Center, where I will be uh, during the Go Winter Expo this weekend up in Fairbanks. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Lauren from Soldotna. Hello, Lauren. What's on your mind this morning? 
Well, I wanted to talk about the Constitution Convention. I'm absolutely for it. It's, uh, I, I want to see uh, lay people, normal working people, get uh, elected to be delegates. Right. And if, we don't, and if we don't get good people as delegates, then that's on us. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. We absolutely need to have this convention. I would love to see a provision that would hold the convention during the legislative session. That would preclude most. That would preclude the legislators from being part of the delegation. I'm not saying that that you know, look, they shouldn't have a right to be if they want to be and if they get elected. But as like you, I would rather see average everyday Alaskans, business owners, blue collar workers, you know, moms, dads. I mean, I'd love to see that kind of makeup in the in the. Uh, the in the delegates for the constitutional convention uh let the legislators do their thing they've got their own they've got their own deal they've had their chance i say let average alaskans be part of the delegation and let's see where it goes from there yes and uh and i find it ironic that the, the left their mary their main tactic is to tell us that that they left them they'll uh, hijack it and take it away from us and I find that ironic that they're—that's uh, what they use as their fear tactic. Well, yeah, the biggest argument you see from the Defend Our Constitution group is that big outside dark money will pour into this, and and change and fundamentally, you know, corrupt our state constitution, all while being funded. The Defend Our Constitution group, all while being funded by big outside dark money interests. I mean, that to me is the ultimate irony. And if people don't see that, I mean, I just don't know what to say. But that is the ultimate irony of this whole situation, using fear tactics and using dark money to say that what will happen is dark money will come in and corrupt the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I just encourage I encourage people to please don't listen to that fear. Vote yes. Let's get good delegates. And let's go in and, and fix some things. We've got to get the power back from the courts. It's ridiculous the way the courts can manipulate, well, actually not manipulate, uh, just absolutely overrule and uh, exert their opinions on our state. And we've got to change that. Yeah. Well, I agree. And like I said, I think now is the time. We need to get it done. Um, and, uh, again, there's, there's a danger in doing nothing just as there is a danger in moving forward, but you got to get off the, you got to get off the spot. You got to get off the dime. You got to move forward. So, all right. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sounding off this morning, uh, on the program and being part of it with us. We appreciate it. Uh, all right. Yeah, thank you. That clears out all the lines right now. I have time for maybe one more call if you would like to call in at 907-433-3150. So we've had... Let's see. Since this segment, we've had three pro-con-con calls, and we've had two anti-con-con calls. So pretty evenly split right now uh, as to whether or not people think we should be doing the Constitutional Convention or not. Uh, I, for one, again, uh, was very leery in the beginning, but I have become more and more convinced that it's the only way we're going to be able to get uh, uh, get some changes to happen here in the state of Alaska. So I believe it's something that we need to do. Um, and, uh, and I'm hoping that more and more people are falling along those lines and are going to be part of it. Um, uh, because again, the, there's a danger in doing nothing just as there's a danger in doing something.
Uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're kind of in between those two things. Me at MichaelDukeShow.com. M-E at MichaelDukeShow.com is the email address. If you want to sound off and drop me an email, don't forget tomorrow, the big debate between Ron Gillum and Justin Ruffridge. One more call here before we run out of time for today. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Jennifer Sampson calling from Fairbanks. Good morning, Jennifer. What's on your mind? The Republican women Fairbanks are also having a gathering tonight. I'm sorry to hear that Kevin McKinley won't be there. Um, We are hosting all of the local candidates for Senate and House. Um, You can come down to the Republican office across from Costco and meet the candidates and come with your questions. And it's going to be when and where again tonight and what time and where is it going to be? Tonight at 530 at the Republican offices and they're down across from Costco. Okay, Republican offices across from Costco on College Road. Uh, come on down and join at 530. Jennifer, thanks for uh, thanks for giving us the heads up. We appreciate that. We appreciate you uh, sounding off and letting us know about that this morning. All right, folks. That's it for today. Again, tomorrow, the big debate. Make sure you tune in for that. we got more coming up. We're going to have Kevin McKinley on probably next week. We've got Delana Johnson, Forrest Wolf, Liz Vasquez, Mia Costello, and David Nelson on Thursday. Lots of candidates before we run out of time. Whew, it's going to seem quiet when we get done with election season, isn't it? Well, maybe we'll just sit around and chat. I enjoy that. This was a fun time today. I appreciate you coming in. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, my friends. That does it for us today. You can go have your coffee now, Harold. (laughs) You know, everybody's got to have a charity case. Everybody's got to have one. At least one, right? We appreciate you guys coming on board. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs>